Hey there, welcome back to another episode of MVP Business, where we showcase leaders who live through their mission, vision, and passion. Today's guest is Amanda Ebner. She's the head of school for St. Stephen's Episcopal School here in Wimberley, Texas. Thank you so much, Amanda, for joining me today. Thanks, Steph, for having me. I'm really excited about being on your podcast. Oh, absolutely. I, you know, I've been thinking about it for a long time. And then when it like just popped into my head the other day, I was like, yeah, definitely. I'm so excited. You've done (laughs) such an awesome job with the school. And um, so we're going to talk all about it. But first, you weren't always the head of St. Stephen's Episcopal School, which first I just want to say I um, love that title. I had never been a part of a private school before. So when they said head of school, I was like, you know what? All businesses should just have a head of position so that there's like one person that um, that everybody can count on. But you weren't always head of St. Stephen's Episcopal School. What were you like growing up? What happened before you came to this lovely little town? <laughs> well, I, I'm kind of a jack of all trades, I guess, when it comes to education. So um, when my husband and I got married, um, Chris was in graduate school in Alabama, and he joined the Army um, while he was in his last year of um, graduate school for an occupational therapy program. And so we started moving. And so as we were moving, we had kids. And then, you know, having kids, kind of my education went on hold for a little bit. And then I decided that I wanted to do, you know, school and get involved in the education world. And so I did most of my college, my undergraduate and my graduate online, just because we moved every two years. And so um, I volunteered in preschools. I volunteered in a lot of the um, child care facilities on the bases. We were in DC, then we moved to San Antonio. Then we went overseas to Europe. Um, When we were in Germany, I got involved as a substitute teacher for the Department of Defense and just fell in love immediately because um, military world is very different from you know, our normal world. And so uh, the kids definitely have some traits and some values um, that they teach you that you can't learn in a classroom. So resilience is a big one. And so um, being able to substitute teach in the Department of Defense schools in Germany allowed me to kind of get a better insight as to kind of what our kids need, because you get a, a very wide variety of families and ethnical backgrounds and things And so I graduated with my graduate degree for school counseling, and then we moved back to San Antonio. And um, so I took a job as a military transition counselor with uh, the Military Child Education Coalition, and I love it. It was definitely my passion. I was really good at it because we'd moved so much. And so my heart has always been with helping, you know, transition kids um, as they moved Um, And then I took a job in Seoul, South Korea. So my family and I moved to Seoul, South Korea for a year and I was a counselor there. And then we transitioned back to San Antonio. And um, my position was just a part-time at that point because I had moved. And so someone had took over the full-time position. And so I was really looking for something um, new and exciting and something that I felt like I could get behind and kind of grow and support. And I don't know how, I I say it's a God thing. This position kind of um, fell in my lap and I have not looked back one day since. So we just completed our first school year in July with me being here. So we're about a year and a half in. So Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's kind of how my 
education and, and um, background started. So that's such a whirlwind of, 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 like you said, trans, lots of transitions and that's the military world. What do you think, um, you know, how has that shaped you in the way that you run the school and the way that you communicate and what you bring to the table now? I think the biggest thing for me, Steph, is I love unconditionally wholeheartedly, either I'm all in or I'm out. And so when I took this position in July, um, I knew that there had been a lot of transitions here at St. Stephen's over the last year and a half before I came. I think there was two heads and um, there was a lot of families that maybe had left. And so there was some kind of break. And instead of me coming in with all of the information of what was wrong, it was an automatic, well, let's figure out how we can fix whatever is broken. And so for me, um, it's a passion thing. I'm passionate about families. I'm passionate about students. I'm passionate about education. And so it was just building the trust back with families. Mm -hmm. um, it was building the confidence back that this is an amazing place for your students to be. And also making sure that the staff knew that they were wholeheartedly supported by me. And it was my job to make sure that they had every tool that they needed to be even more so successful. Um, you know, uh, our families here are incredible, but they're here because of our staff, because of our teachers. Um, heads of school come and go, but what makes a school an amazing campus is your teachers. And so St. Stephen's has amazing teachers. They just needed a leader that was going to support them and help them. And they also needed, you know, families to trust that everybody is in good hands. So I really feel like I do a really good job building relationships and, and communication with our families. Well, I think that's a really good point. And I don't know that you're giving yourself enough credit uh, in saying, you know, you just, you're just good at building relationships in, in some ways, the most important role of a leader is to build and guide those relationships and keep them strong. Um, and I, I love that what I've seen from you is you're looking um, internally, externally, and at the whole, uh, the whole picture, the whole piece, the whole pie, and not just the little pieces. And that's the, the hardest part for a leader when you have so many different um, moving pieces. Uh, you know, you have so many different people that you're, you're trying to align and keep happy. And then at the same time, like you mentioned that the school was kind of struggling in a lot of different ways when you came in. Um, and in something that I think a lot of people don't think about is the, um, the, what, I don't know what the title is, but the, uh, secretary well, uh, left in the middle with like not leaving any notes behind of how things were done. So with this tiny little school, you know, there's basically two people running the business of it and both of them were gone. And the person that was there before wasn't that great at it um, uh, because they had been in and out as well. So, um, so you came in with this, with opt optimism and passion. And not only did you uh, did you come into it with a positive outlook, but you immediately started looking for really great opportunities. Mm -hmm. So talk to me a little bit about what you saw when you first came into the school and um, and why and how you felt like you had um, 
the ability to just jump right in and tackle all those opportunities or, or the big ones that you could at the time? Um, you know, I have to say, I am, I'm an overachiever. Um, don't tell anybody that, but I am very much an overachiever. I, I really like to take on challenges. And so where I didn't know the full picture of what challenges we faced last year at St. Stephen's, I did know that it was worth it because the one day that I was able to be on campus and meet families and see the kids and meet some of the staff, it was incredible. And not only that, but I was welcomed with such open arms from everyone that, you know, it was, this is, this is our tribe. This is our family. And so um, I take jobs as we are all a family all the time. And I am not afraid to tell staff, I love you, whatever you need, I'm here, you know, good or bad. And so the, the thing that was very different for me is, um, coming from Department of Defense school, like you have tons of paperwork. So if somebody sneezes, you have to write it down on a piece of paper, you know, and come in here, it was, oh, so-and-so needs some Benadryl because they have a little, you know, bite. I'm like, is there a paper? Has a parent signed the paper saying we can give them Benadryl? No, but they've been here seven years. We know the mom. And I'm like, no, no, like, no. And so <laughs> I think it took a little time for me to get to know the families. And this school is unlike any other place I've ever been. And um, so it took a little bit of kind of shaping my mentality to kind of fit, but also shaping the parents' mentality. And there's some things that have to change. And so with some of the things that we had to change, there were also things missing. One big missing um, thing from St. Stephen's was a pre-K-2 program. So last year, you know, I took the initiative to get that started. We had it, I think about 15 years ago. Um, and the difficult thing with that is, is now you've added a state licensed component to our accreditation component, which by the way, we had reaccreditation my first year here. So, um, you know, so there was a lot of things that I kind of said, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And then, you know, COVID hit in the middle of my first year. And um, that was something that I don't think any educator in the world could have done anything different initially. And um, again, being first year, like it was like, oh my goodness, like, okay, you know, was this like my reset? Was this my, you know, kind of realign things? But again, the staff jumped into action and they were incredible. I laid out a platform of my expectations and they kind of, you know, ran with it. But um, there's many big ideas here. Families have ideas. Nobody wants to leave. So I've been told even today in a parent meeting, so we're building a high school, right? So, <laughs> you know, I think everyone has plans because they love St. Stephen's. But for me, like, I want to make sure what we're doing, we are doing very well and everyone is happy with. And, you know, the comment that you make, that you made um, a little bit earlier with, you have so many people that you have to make sure are happy. That's very true. And um, I really, I really struggled with the, with it at the beginning stuff because I didn't want to upset anyone. And I didn't want to come in first year um, and make all kinds of changes because that's not best practice. Um, you're supposed to, you know, come into a place and, and kind of 
you know, see how things go and not really, you know, dirty the waters at all. But there was a lot of things that had to change initially. And so I think doing it kind and loving and, you know, very open communicated with families. Um, it was really taken in very well from everyone. So um, I take that as a, as a win being brand new and having to make so many changes um, right out of the start. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, what, what we saw in the beginning um, has really served you well in your leadership style. And like you said, you're, you're passionate, you're kind, you're loving, but you're also strong. So I know there have been, you know, coming into any organization, uh, especially in a head position, there's always big changes that need to be made. And you, you've made some big changes that weren't necessarily um, understood by everyone. Um, Talk to me about what that's like when it is such a tight community and, and a family um, and just from, from a leadership standpoint. Um, I, I think it's still a work in progress. I, I will be very honest. Um, you know, when, when all the planning for COVID, because that's the biggest thing, right, that we've all had to tackle, um, I spent my whole summer on teleconferences almost every day, all summer long. Are we going to be able to open? Are we not? Then the state gave us a green light, and then the diocese was like, wait. We don't know if we want church schools opening. So then we had to wait for, you know, um, that to kind of come through fruition. Um, while we were doing that, I so wanted to have the parents involved in what that planning looked like. However, that wasn't really possible because you have some parents that are far right. You have some parents that are far left. You have some that not that they don't care, but they're like, that's your job. You figure it out. And so I had to do my very best in networking with other heads of schools between Austin and San Antonio. Um, I also had to take in consideration our size, um, what we were able to do with our resources, because we have very minimal funding being out in you know rural Wimberley. Um, and also we didn't know what our enrollment was gonna look like. So we had all of these unknowns that um, I had to put a hypothesis together of how we were gonna pay for the things that we needed. And um, so Lori, my office manager and I, we worked all summer to put a plan together that we knew we would get kickback. Um, one of those you know, changes was we don't wear outside shoes in a classroom. And logistically, it's a nightmare because kids take their shoes off, they go in and they have to put their shoes on to go to specials or go to the playground and take them off. And so we thought, well, we need to be, build benches. So we were building benches out of, um, you know, two by four little planner things and the um, center, blocks. center blocks. Thank you. The center blocks. And so there's makeshift um, you know, places for the students to sit, to take shoes off. And some parents were like, well, that's not safe. And what if there's a fire drill? And I said, I've already cleared that with state. So through all of it, people asked questions. However, I want people to ask questions. If I don't have good relationships with families enough, so to where they don't feel they can ask me a question and be able to get an honest answer, then I'm not doing my job correctly. Um, I, I want to have those um, difficult conversations with parents. I want them to say, Hey, this makes more sense than this. And sometimes they're right. And that's what I tell them. Look, 
I don't know everything. This is the best that I can come up with knowing our situation. If you have a better idea, and sometimes there are much better ideas. So um, I also think it's a lot of that. I mean, sometimes you have to kind of take a step back. Yes, I'm head of school. However, I want to get everybody's kind of information, um, teachers, parents, you know, the church also, and make sure that we are making a really good decision for our students. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And taking all that into consideration, but still knowing that, uh, that you have to make a decision. Yes. Yeah. And I, so I see one of the biggest challenges that the majority of the schools in the world are having right now is the balance of um, how much digital, how much in class um, and how much in between. And one of the things that I saw early on, and and I'm one of those, it's your decision. I respect you kind of folks. Um, But I thought it was a a great decision, but a really, really hard one, given all the circumstances was we're going to start with this transition and then we're going to be in class because our teachers need to have one job. Mm -hmm. Um, So tell me what it was like to know that you were going to come up against probably 30 to 50 percent backlash and and know that you, you know, you're a you're a, um, a business. It's not a a school that gets paid in tax money. Um, and so what was it like making that decision? Um, it was really scary. Um, it was actually, it was very scary. Um, I would say over the summer, um, we actually have been very blessed. We have had a 26% increase in our enrollment. So at the end of the school year, we finished with roughly about 70 students. And in August, when we started, we had 98 and now we're up to 120. And yeah. so um, I listened. So the parents that were calling panicking, looking for options for school. They wanted their kids to be able to come to a school and not have to be in a mask for eight hours a day. Um, They wanted their kids to be able to be outside and learn outside. They wanted kind of as normal as possible. And those were the calls that we got 75% of the time. And then we did lose some families because they were afraid to come back. Um, it wasn't, you know, kind of working. There was underlining, you know, medical concerns for students. So we did lose some families, but ultimately having, you know, a prior counselor background, our kids needed each other. I mean, so much needed each other. And, um, you know, after talking with the staff, my staff is just as important as my families are. The staff couldn't do it. It was hard to do virtual learning. Um, Our school does not have the resources to be able to fund that and do that. And the truth of the matter is our school is is better in person. I mean, we're on 52 acres. So you talk about the best place to be able to do outside learning that's here. Mm -hmm. And the staff said, look, we can give you this many weeks for, you know, kind of to see, you know, see what happens. But after that, like, they're like, Amanda, please, like we just, it's too much. And so I had to listen. And so I had to find that balance of, okay, if we put this out to families, if they want to leave, then we'll have that conversation with them leaving. But it was more important for me to, again, support my staff in making that decision for their students. 
um, I have to tell you a story. The first day of school um, was in August for face-to-face. -face, and then we had the virtual um, through September, through Labor Day. Um, one little boy came in and he is now a second grader. And another little boy came in and he goes, hey, do you remember me? Like, do you remember me? And then they just hugged each other. And it was the biggest hug I think I've seen probably since we break, we broke um, in March for spring break. And they just held each other and held each other. And it was just the most magical moment because we forget sometimes we are all scared, right? At some point we have all been scared with COVID. Um, it is, it is something that nobody really knows what's going on, you know, how it's happening and what's going on. But the biggest takeaway is our kids need peers. They need um, affection from kids their age. Um, they need the emotional support from other people besides the people that live in the house. And so that's what I fought so hard this summer for our campus to be able to open because I listened to what our family said with their kids. Like we appreciate everything, but we need to be in school. Not because the parents were getting tired of the kids, but because the kids were just having emotional meltdowns. They missed their friends. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, it was a hard decision because ultimately I am in charge of 120 littles and I'm in charge of 20 staff and their family and their grandparents and their siblings. And, um, you know, I've had one day where I've just, I've honestly had just an emotional cry. And I thought, man, like this is a lot to hold on my shoulders, but we are all in it together. The families are here. The teachers are doing what they're supposed to do. We have some really, really tight guidelines as far as how our campus is operating. And um, I think the hardest thing is not having our families together. We're just not used to it. You know, we're used to congregating outside at drop off and pick up. And so as adults, I think we are all missing the adult time. But once you get behind our main door, the kids know nothing is going on in the world. And so um, that's, that brings me absolute joy. Like I know we're, I know we're doing something right. So. Yeah. You mentioned that just as uh, right before we started the conversation that, you know, when you close the doors, you're so lucky as you're, you and your staff are so lucky that when you close those doors, there's just so much joy and love and you don't have to think about all the other things that are going on in the world. And I, I think um, just as a, an aside, that's something that we can all take away as an opportunity that we can have in our homes um, or in our businesses that we don't necessarily have to take on that weight of fear all the time. Um, that it, you know, it's there and there's an unknown and there's the uncertainty of life, but there's also so much opportunity for love and joy and um, and part and of that free. is it's free it's with free. our kids. Yeah. yeah. Free. It's so free. Yeah. If we, if we are willing to give it as well as take it. Um, so you mentioned the, um, the guidelines of the, the campus. And that's another thing that I've seen um, has been really interesting and unique. And I wonder, is that, um, are the guidelines that you put into place for COVID safety, are those um, based on what you've seen elsewhere or based on what you know and, and, and you know, what we think of the virus? Um, as it 
you know, behaves or how did those come about? And also kudos for, um, you know, putting all the time into logistics and then going, you know what, that didn't quite work. Let's change it and do it this way. And um, I think that's been my advice to all businesses. But when you're a school, you don't have to be as nimble most of the time. Most of the time it's like, ah, this is the way we work. This is the way we do it for a hundred years. But, you know, this year can't, you just can't do that. (laughs) You can't do that. So um, our opening guidelines came from the whole summer of conversations with TEA, the superintendent calls that Texas, we were having um, information from NAES, from the National Association of Episcopal Schools. Um, SAES, which is our accreditation body, um, they were part of the conversation and also really collaborating with Wimberley ISD, um, some of the other private schools, just kind of talking to them about what do you, what are you, your thoughts? What are you thinking? And of course, only having 120 kids under 100 when we were writing these, um, we are very fortunate to where we have way less responsibilities than larger schools. Mm -hmm. And so I knew going into this, if we set really tight restrictions, which means no parents on campus, which is strange, um, no outside shoes, um, temperature checks every day, you know, hand washing every hour, like we have bells that go off and the teachers stop, the kids wash their hands, the teachers spray everything, hard touch surfaces down, they wipe everything down. We put a wash machine in. So Lori and I do laundry every day, um, you know, and wash all the towels. We didn't want to use paper towels because we would have gone through a whole forest by now. Mm-hmm. And um, so really just, again, having conversations with the staff, are you all able to commit to these? Are you able to you know, take the time, build it into your schedule? Um, but most importantly is the families taking responsibility if their kid is not feeling well. They haven't been sending them, which has been our savior. Um, I hate to say it out loud, but we have been so fortunate. Nobody on our campus has been sick. Um, we have had like two strep throats um, and then some allergies. And then we had a tummy bug, um, when school started, which probably everywhere in America did because nobody had been together, but staff kids, we haven't had any illness on campus. That is crazy. And so, um, whatever we're doing, we're doing well. Um, I am not going to say that, you know, something won't happen because I mean, only God knows if that's going to happen, but, Um, We are doing everything in our power to keep everybody safe, but Mm -hmm. there were things, you know, that we had to change at first. We thought um, the temperature checks would stop because it takes a lot of extra time, but um, we have continued to do them just because it's a nice way that kids get a stamp to get into class. And so it's just a nice way to know everybody's been checked. Everybody's been vetoed. Um, You know, again, parents will email and say, Hey, we're keeping so-and-so home. They're, you know, sneezing a little, I'm sure it's allergies, but just want to make sure. So, um, again, it takes a village to make things successful. And so, um, as much as, you know, I take credit for a lot of things, I give so much credit because I can put forth the best policies, but unless the teachers follow them and unless parents follow them, it's just a piece of paper. So, Um, I'm very, very blessed and thankful to everybody for, you know, putting our health and our kids' health first, so. 
Yeah, absolutely. And um, and you're right, the the teachers have had to uh, and staff have had to, you know, put in a little extra here and there, but overall it's for everybody's safety, including their own and their families as well. So it's, um, that's been interesting to watch. What in, in overall since the beginning has been the hardest decision that you think you've had to make? Um, First of all, I want to apologize. My dog's right outside the door. <laughs> so oh, if you hear her, she's like, we got a new dog on Sunday. And so Archie's been up at school with us. And so it's now our school emotional support dog. So when we're having a bad day, we just caress the dog. Um, I mean, honestly, I think every day is hard because for a brief moment every day, I think, I hope nobody gets sick today. You know, just opening the doors back was really scary. And I am not a micromanager. I, you know me, I think hopefully a little, you know, well now, and I don't micromanage. I mean, I hire staff based off of um, staff's availability or, you know, um, being able to perform their job. They should not be micromanaged. And so this year has been especially hard. Um, no pods cross pollinate and I need your playground schedule and you can't go outside of another classes outside. And so at the beginning it was hard because I felt like I was nagging everybody, but then they understood why that was going on. And so, um, you know, before we, we took a break for Thanksgiving, I talked to staff and I said, the real scary time for me is now, um, coming back after Thanksgiving break was very nerve wracking for me. And then um, coming back after Christmas break is going to be a little nerve wracking. I think if we can get through those couple of weeks, which we're two weeks in almost to the Thanksgiving and so far so good. Um, I, I think we'll, I think my anxiety will go down a little bit, but you know, it's hard not to have a life and enjoy your families and, you know, and soak up every minute that you have. But at the same time, it's kind of scary to do that in groups. And so, um, we have a teacher here that she chose to come back. She wanted to come back and she has a family member that's ill. And I pray each and every day that I'm not the reason why they get sick. And so that is something that I, I carry very heavily on my shoulders because like I said earlier, they're all of my family and I love them just like I love my own family. So I, I want everybody to be okay. So that's my greatest fear, you know? Yeah, I know. Bringing bringing people together, that's it, such a hard thing to be scared about, but that's kind of everybody's biggest fear. And my biggest joy is bringing people together. Yeah. Whew, didn't yeah. know that was going to make me cry. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, it's hard to trans, translate that into a biggest fear of if I bring everybody together, you know, you hear about families that got together for a birthday party. And then, you know, some people are judging like, well, they shouldn't have got together for a birthday party. Like, oh, they're human. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm together. sorry, you may not have tomorrow. You know, that's yeah. the thing is, I mean, people drive cars every day, you know, and so um, you have to live, you have to live a life also. And, and we all need love and compassion, every mm -hmm. single one of us. And so we're having to figure out how to navigate that right now. And for me, I'm lucky because I get 120 hugs every day and I see 18 staff, you know, smiling faces and parents that pick up and drop off. And so um, I get my bucket filled every day by this job um, on top of my own family, but some people don't have that. And so um, if I can, you know, love on a person's child where 
they're really sad and lonely at home, then I've done the best that I can to support that family. So it, you know, it's kind of a, it's a mindset situation and, um, it's hard though. I mean, we're all human. So, yeah. So looking into the future, um, with some really big assumptions that at least by next year, (laughs) the school year, everything will be in, um, some semblance of what we thought was normal before (laughs) or some, you know, new, not fearful place. Do you have, what do you have, um, on the horizon, just a, just a cool, calm, comfortable year. (laughs) You know, I, I, I can't wait for a cool, calm, comfortable year for sure. But I think, um, this year has been a big eye opener. We really need to start an annual fund. Um, we could use a new campus. I think, um, with COVID and with everything going on, there's definitely some things that have been kind of brought up that I don't think we would have figured out. Um, we've almost outgrown the spot a little bit, you know, I mean, we're 31 years old and, and so it would be really great to be able to get a new building that has new, you know, HVAC and, and things like that, that we haven't had to think about really. We open windows, which is great, but when you have viruses and things like this, that we have had to deal with, you worry about, you know, like you need HEPA filters and this, and it costs a lot to try to get all the classrooms filled with those. And so, um, I've got a running list. And so if we can get through this school year, um, we definitely have some thoughts and plans as far as how to continue to expand and, um, you know, share our amazing little school with families. And, um, you know, my biggest hope is the new families that came, even if they just came from a, for just this year, um, I hope that we will have touched them in a way that you know, St. Stephen's wouldn't be forgotten, even if it was just kind of their stopover year. Well, we, we only meant to be there for kindergarten. So, (laughs) and you're still here. Great. Yeah. I don't know that we could ever leave either. So you, you currently are pre-K two through sixth grade. Um, are there any particular thoughts of, um, I know like some particular board members who are, (laughs) Are keen on expanding through junior high. Um, is that is that something that's on the like direct horizon or the kind of long term plans? So I think it's going to be a long term plan. And unfortunately, I kind of had to pop that bubble with some of the board members um, last month. But I said, look, what we have now, we need to do well, and we are doing very well. Um, I think over you know, the, the last 10 years, there's always been a decline in the upper grades um, at St. Stephen's. And so I think we've made some adjustments that are um, great for the upper grades this year. We have um, two staff that are in the upper grades and they're amazing. Um, but I also think, again, we need new facilities. You know, once you get into junior high, you really need to be able to offer some extracurricular things in sports and and possibly band or choir and things like that. And I don't want to have a school just to have a school. I want to make sure that we can do the best that we can. And so, um, you know, once we get fifth and sixth grade and we get them going strong, then I am absolutely opened to adding seventh and eighth. And I was told today a high school as well. So um, 
but it all, it's all about, you know, what the needs of the families in the area are. So um, if we are meant to go through junior high and high school, I welcome it. Mm-hmm. Um, if we are only meant to go through where we are at right now, then we're going to do it really well. And we're going to be happy and content with that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And, and like you mentioned, it's also um, relies in, in large part on the support of the community. Correct. So if, if they're willing to, um, to invest in the beautiful thing that you have going on in those 52 acres, um, then, then yeah, that'll help support that continuous uh, growth. What are you, what are you most grateful for as you look back, not just on your, your time at St. Stephen's, but, um, you know, looking back on the journey of your life that you've been on so far? I honestly am, I'm, you know, you got teary eyed. I'm most grateful for my kids. I have three girls and I mean, I guess I have to add my husband into that too, but mainly for my girls. I mean, they're, they're the ones that have kind of walked me through my journey of becoming who I am just because, you know, I have a passion for education, but I don't think I would have had that passion without my girls. And so, um, they have taught me the good, the bad, the ugly. They have taught me what they need in a teacher, what they don't need in a teacher. Um, they've taught me what excites them in schools and, and moving them every two years, we were able to see so many schools and so many different curriculum approaches and just everything. And so um, they are my greatest gifts. I mean, they're the greatest things that I, you know, am am proud of. And so um, we worked really hard, Chris and I did, to show the girls the world. And we did that because we'd never want them to settle. We want them to do things always, always, that make them happy and that challenge them every day. And so um, when the school board here um, extended my contract for five years over the summer, I was thrilled because I, I want to be here forever, obviously, but I do know that there will be an expiration date and that time will come when I can't bring anymore, or this place doesn't give me joy, which I don't think that's possible. But I think that should be kind of everybody's mentality with something. If you're not challenged and you're not happy or, or passionate about where you work, you need to look for something else. Um, because if I didn't love this place, it would have been really easy to leave in March. <laughs> I mean, yeah. everything started going haywire. Um, but I, I, I love it. And it's not a job. You know, I have, I struggle with um, shutting emails off. I, I don't, um, you know, if a parent emails at seven o'clock, I answer, you know, at night. Um, and so I'm trying to learn to find the balance of being with my family when it's family time, but also, you know, putting the school on hold, like it will be here tomorrow. But again, I treat it like it is my family. And so I feel really bad when there's emails that haven't been responded to because I feel like I'm ignoring an aunt or an uncle or somebody, you know, so um, I'm still learning. I'm still learning to find that balance, but I think we all struggle with that sometimes. So. Absolutely. And I I feel like that, that you had some really great advice for, um, for people in in any position uh, in work and in life. Yeah. Making sure that what, um, what you're going through on a daily basis provides you both challenge and joy. Mm-hmm. And when it doesn't anymore and it in the balance is off, <laughs> you need to evaluate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, you know, when families come in, um, we do parent tours now, which is great. So we have a parent from the school that gives tours on our campus. And when I talk to the families, when they come back, we always say, we like to do that. So you can get a parent's opinion. You know, I tell them as a head of school, it's my job to sell this campus to you. I said, but I don't want to sell this campus to you. I want you to know this campus is my home. I, I run a school for my kids. And so I would want a place where my girls would go and I would feel comfortable and confident for, for my children to be here. Mm-hmm. And at the very beginning of the school year, um, when schools were still virtual, a lot of the high schools were virtual for the first couple of weeks, we had four or five um, middle high school kids here on campus. So we had some of our staff, one of my kiddos was still here and they took one of the back rooms um, that we don't use. And so they set up their middle high school classrooms and they didn't want to leave. They loved it because they were able to go outside and go play and go back and hop on their Zooms. And so when they did go back to school, they're like, this isn't near as fun. And so it's just funny what our campus creates as far as how you feel when you come here. Um, we had Wimberley Radio come today to interview some of our students for Christmas wishes for their radio station. And the gentleman's new, the, the um, manager of Wimberley Radio is new. His name's Tim. And he said, this is a magical place. Like I've never been here. And you hear that so much. Mm-hmm. And so um, I just, I would shout it from the rooftops and I tell everybody about it. And I live in the Brumfels and everybody's always asking for schools and they're like, Wimberley's too far. I said, it's worth it. Trust me. Like it's worth the drive. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a diamond in the rough for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And as far as too far goes, I know we have people who drive in from Dripping Springs and Kyle and we have a new family from Bee Cave. So they drive in. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's a big big drive. A big jump. Yep. So definitely worth it. Um, Well, thank you, Amanda. Thank you so much for spending so much time with me today. But even more than that, thank you for your, I'm going to cry again, for your time and your dedication um, and your leadership uh, with the school and with the staff uh, and the kids. You really do, um, all of you, the staff as well, provide a sanctuary, um, a little magical bubble for, uh, and like we were saying before, you know, the kids, the kids are back to school and they have their happy little bubble and that really expands out, you know, it's, it expands out and affects everybody else. So, um, I know that you're continuously making very difficult decisions as every business owner and leader leader does, but especially when, you know, you have, you know, the health of, you know, so many little hearts and, and families in your, in your school every day. So thank you for all that you do and all that you've done and all that you'll continue to do. Well, thanks, Steph. I appreciate it. Like I said, it's not a job. It's something that I absolutely love. So um, I appreciate you and your family and, you know, giving me the opportunity to chat with you. Hopefully, you know, we'll be able to have a face-to-face sometime really soon. Yep. We'll hug soon. (laughs) That's that, that the biggest thing missing from from this whole COVID situation is all the hugs. hugs. Like you said, the community, the community, but it'll come back. It will. will. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks, Steph. Hey, 
Hey, so what did you think of MVP Business? If you liked it, please subscribe and tell all your friends. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. If you didn't like it, don't just leave. Let me know what I can do to improve, who you'd like to hear from, and what you'd like to learn. The mission of MVP Business is to share the strengths and struggles of leaders who have successfully grown their businesses while staying true to their mission and vision so that other entrepreneurs can follow, knowing that the path isn't easy, but the journey's worth it. If you believe in this mission, please help by living it and sharing it. In the meantime, enjoy the day and live with passion.